Hallelujah. Let's just worship God a little further here. What do you say? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you. We magnify your holy name. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your blessings and for your mercy. Thank you for your precious holy word, for the privilege, hallelujah, to share the word of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, we are indeed grateful and thankful for all of your blessings and for the privilege to come together in this service tonight. Thank you for giving us utterance in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father, for each person in attendance. May each ear be a listening ear, each mind an open mind, each heart a receptive heart unto thy holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I thought about, uh, asked Brother Osteen what he wanted me to preach on. He said, well, just obey the Lord, whatever, you know. So I thought I'd preach on, come out of it, you boogers. <laughs> now, Sister, <laughs> Sister Osteen, don't be a turning that thing off. You probably need the message as much as anybody. That would be a good title, wouldn't it? <laughs> What'd be wrong with that? But I decided against it. I just, the thought just occurred to me. You don't say or do everything you think, you know. How many of you found that out? Praise God. Now, this is a minister's conference. So we'll probably go a little different direction than what we would ordinarily. If you have your Bibles, open them to 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, please. Let me share a little bit that's on my heart, and we'll just see where we go from there. Hallelujah. The 19th chapter of 1 Kings. And the Lord, we'll start with the 15th verse. And the Lord said unto him, that is, unto Elijah, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Mahola shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees of which not, have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So he, Elijah, departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah, and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, and took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. 
Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Now I want you to turn to the second chapter of Second Kings. The second chapter of Second Kings. And we'll start reading with the very first verse here. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as I so liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha, and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as I so liveth, I will not leave thee, so they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so that they too, that is Elijah and Elisha, went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me, when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophet which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Now then I want to, without reading, just call your attention, and you can look at it, to the third chapter of Second Kings, the next chapter. And you will find here, uh, something concerning the ministry of Elisha. And you'll find that uh, Jehoshaphat, who was king, wanted Elisha, you know, to prophesy. 
You see, uh, you have to remember here in the Old Testament that the king uh, was anointed by the Spirit to stand in the office of king. The prophet's anointed by the Spirit to stand in the office of prophet. The priest is anointed by the Spirit to stand in the office of priest. Otherwise, folks didn't have the anointing of the Spirit of God upon them unless God especially called somebody. So they, therefore, if they were going to inquire of the Lord, they would inquire through the prophet. Now, you don't do that in the New Testament. That's the, the, the prophet's ministry has an entirely different area of ministry. But I want you to notice this 14th, 15th verses. That Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, because three kings were involved. The other two were not righteous men, and, and so on, or goodly or godly. But he said, If it were not for Jehoshaphat, I would not look towards thee nor see thee. See, God will do things a lot of times just for his own folks. Praise God. Now notice the 15th verse. And now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Now, first of all, I want you to notice the call of Elisha was from God. Elijah did not call Elisha. He did cast his mantle upon him and God used him. But you notice that aforetime, we read it, God said to Elijah, for him, anoint, he said, Elisha to be prophet in thy room or that in, in thy place. And so he had the call was from God. Men or even prophets cannot call you to the ministry. Only God can. Now, they may be instrumental in separating you unto the ministry. In the 13th chapter of Acts, the Bible said, Now there were in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers such as. And then it goes on to mention the names of five men, that is, beginning with Barnabas and ending with Saul or Paul. And as they, the second verse said, fasted and prayed or ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So they fasted again, laid their hands upon them, and so they being sent forth, it said, by the Holy Ghost departed. You know, there's a difference in being sent forth by the Holy Ghost and by man. Now, you understand I'm talking about the ministry. Everybody ought to work for God. You don't have to have any special call to work for God. You don't have to have any special call to be a soul winner. Hallelujah. But yet in certain offices and ministries, the call of God must be there. And then you'll notice this, that as he went by, he departed thence, he says, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and so on. And Elijah passed by and cast his mantle upon him. Now, you see, this mantle was actually a symbol of that particular office. If you read on through the Old Testament, but you will find that usually this mantle that they wore was, was really a, the skin of an animal. You remember it talks about, over in the New Testament, John the Baptist, you know. And it talks about him and, and his dress and so on. Well, you'll find that, uh, that this was... Usually, the skin of an animal are composed of some hairy material. It said that uh, John the Baptist was hairy. It doesn't mean that he's physically so. He wore this coat or skin. And so this mantle, did you notice that when Elijah, before he picked it up, he took off his own clothes and tore them in half. He picked up that mantle. And that mantle, you see, covered their whole being. Now, that mantle stood for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but sometimes in ministry, it seems to me like that there's just a cloak upon me. Seems like there's a mantle upon me. Actually, it literally feels that way. You know, like you might have on an overcoat. You know, and yet you're standing there, you don't have on any overcoat. But the power of God, the anointing, so envelops you. Well, that's what this was a symbol of, that this mantle is a type of the Holy Ghost and that the power of God, the mantle, will envelop that individual.
and they'll minister, you see, under that anointing according to whatever the office or the calling of God is. And so then, after the mantle was thrown upon Elisha, you'll notice this, that he was to follow Elisha. And so it said, Elijah passed by, cast his mantle upon him, and he left, he, Elisha, left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And notice what Elijah said to him. Go back again, or go return, the Hebrew literally says. Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke, yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, gave unto the people they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah, administered he didn't go back and kiss his mom and papa. Amen. Do you notice that? Now, I want you to see something here, because, you see, we have a lot of times uh, erroneous thinking. And it really hinders us from entering into the blessings God wants us to have. Are you listening to me now? You see, I've heard it said, and I guess you have too. And because we've heard it said, well, we repeat it a lot of times. That doesn't make it so just because we heard it said. It doesn't make it so just because we repeated it. It doesn't make it so just because we thought it was so. But very often some great man of God, you know, will pass off of the scene like Elijah here is about to. And you hear preachers say, I wonder who's upon whom his mantle will fall. Haven't we heard that said? I remember this after as a young Baptist boy preacher and pastor. See, I got started sooner over in Pentecostal ranks in the Baptist and the Holy Ghost as Baptist and John Osteen did. I was smarter than him, you see. <laughs> Took him a long time to catch on, you know. No, seriously. I'd been healed by the power of God and when somebody came along then preaching divine healing, you see, well, I... I uh, to stimulate my faith, well, I, you know, because it inspired my faith, I'd go listen to him. And as they preached the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking tongues, I sort of closed my ears to that and said, well, I believe in the Holy Ghost, all right, but not that tongues business. And I'll just put up with a little fanaticism to have a little fellowship around faith and healing. But like one fellow down in East Texas said, this sounds like a slippery creek, Mank. You keep fooling around, you'll slip in. <laughs> and so I slipped in way back 1937. Amen. Hallelujah. The eighth day of April, 1937. Eighth day of April, 1937 was on a Thursday. Did you know that? <laughs> At eight minutes past 6 p.m. Hallelujah. I was baptized with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues and received the left foot of fellowship from among the Baptists. We didn't hear much about the mantle falling on anybody among the Baptists. I don't think the mantle was on many of us, <laughs> did we? But you got off over here and you heard quite a bit about that, you see, because they knew more about the anointing and so on and so forth. And uh, so I remember then, the next year after I was baptized with the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues, somebody put into my hands uh, Smith Wigglesworth's book, you know, or book of his sermons. Actually, he didn't write the book. Somebody else just took it down shorthand and published his sermons. Uh, Every Increasing Faith. And, and he just talked my language. And so I, I wore out about uh, four of those paperback books and then finally prospered enough to buy me. They had it also in the hardback, so I bought me a hardback book. And, and, and I was on it about the fifth one, and that hardback book lasted longer, but it's looking mighty. In fact, I still have it. So it's awfully worn. And, and, and so I just read that almost constantly. And I know our little niece came to live with us in the last church we pastored in 1947. She came. And so uh, she would be helping my wife sometime. Go, she went to school, high school, but she'd come on, on Saturday maybe clean up the house or something, you know. And she'd come to our bedroom and she'd find that book and she'd say to, to old Rita sometimes, I said, ain't ours. I said, I see Uncle Ken slept with Wigglesworth last night. Well, now, whether you realize it or not, there's a little thought I want to get over here to you. So, in 19, in the fall then of 19, I'm talking about February 1947, just want to say to you. Now, in the fall, October of 1947 then, 
when I picked up a religious periodical and read that Smith Wigglesworth had gone to be with the Lord at age 87. Well, you know, I didn't know the man, but I had read constantly almost until you just felt like you knew him, you know. Till something from him just rubbed off on you, you know. And, and you felt a great loss. And I remember I went into my church next door and fell across the altar, you know. And, 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 and I said, uh, at about the same time, there's another very renowned minister that went home to be with the Lord. And you just, an older man, you see, that lived their life out. And, and, and you just felt the, the loss. And, and you just, you know, you said not knowing in it much then. You know, I said, well, I just wonder who, upon whom his mantle will fall. And, uh, and so on and so forth. But you know, that's really not correct. Uh, that mantle not, is not decreed to fall upon some particular individual, and it doesn't. Are you listening to me now? I'm going to tell you how, you preachers, to get the mantle of any ministry that you want. I'm going to tell you how to obtain it. Because you see it right here. First of all, of course, you do have the call of God on you to the ministry. You understand that? Now then, secondly, you must follow closely that ministry that you want the mantle of. Did you notice what he said? I will follow. Well, first he said, let me go do this. Let me go kiss my papa and my mama. And notice that Elijah said, and he said unto him, go back. Just go on back and forget it, in other words. What have I done to thee? You see, if you're going to put other things first, no matter how legitimate they may be, you're not going to enjoy the fullness of God's anointing. You've got to do two things. Have the call of God upon you. And then secondly, first follow the Lord Jesus Christ very closely. And then secondly, the ministry or the mantle that you want, follow that ministry very closely. Notice how closely he followed Elijah. Are you listening? Now get into that second chapter of Second Kings and notice this. It came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by the whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. See, he followed him. He stayed right with him. Elijah said, tarry here. Said to Elisha, tarry, wait. Tarry means wait. Wait here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. You know, I think the Lord tries people sometimes just purposely. Through Elijah, he tried to get him. He wanted to be sure he's made of the right stuff before this anointing came on. You see, just wait here. I'm going here. But he said, as I so liveth, as the Lord liveth, and as I so liveth, I'll not leave thee. Hallelujah. So they went down to Bethel. The sons of the prophet there at Bethel said to Elijah, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away the master from thy head today? Well, these sons of the prophet had a revelation. They knew what was going to happen. Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here. Wait here. I pray thee, for the Lord sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as I so liveth, I'll not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And then he said, Elijah said unto him, Tarry here. Wait here. I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. He said, as the Lord liveth, thy soul liveth, I'll not leave thee. So they too went on. He stayed right with him. He followed him closely. Now notice this. Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, smote the waters. They were divided hither and thither. They too went over dry ground. It came to pass when they were going over that Elijah said to Elisha, now then, you see, he's come to the place where he can uh, get what he wants. He's followed him closely. So he said, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. What he meant was the anointing of God's upon Elijah to stand the office of the prophet. He wanted a double portion of that anointing. You see, God anoints ministers or men or women to stand in certain offices. 
and some can be more anointed than others. Are you listening? And so, let a double portion be upon me. He said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so. In other words, if you're going to get it, you're still going to have to follow me closely and stay right with me. Stay right with me. Can you see it? And so, of course, as they went on and talked, it happened. He was taken from him. And so he said then that he rent his own clothes, rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? When he had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. You see, it wasn't just the mantle, the hairy coat, so to speak, that divided the waters. If it was, everybody had one good, because they had skin coats then. It was the anointing. That's the reason the next verse said the sons of the prophets, when they came to view from Jericho, they said the spirit of Elijah does rest upon Elisha. Now then, notice this. Though the spirit of Elijah, or the mantle, same mantle that was upon him, except a double portion of anointing, or the anointing of God's spirit, to stand in that office was upon him, I want you to notice something. That anointing is there, potentially, it's not in manifestation constantly. See, again, that's where folks miss it a lot of times, and people stand, particularly where one stands in the office of the prophet. They seem to think, you know, and, and, and some folks, because they think, and it may legitimately be their calling. But because of their misunderstanding, you see, they get into the flesh and, and do... Uh, an injustice, really, to the work of God. Because you just don't go around, even though you stand in the office of the prophet, you just don't go around handing out revelations constantly. There's one fellow I know of, bless his heart, I, there's no doubt in my mind at all about the anointing God is upon him. Because supernatural things happen to him. I mean, through his ministry. But because he thought, I'm called to the office of the prophet now, I ought to function, you know. I remember one time I'd heard about the fellow, and I know... Some supernatural things, miraculous. By the time I tell you about it, you know it's supernatural. He had revelation from God. Some marvelous things happened. But he thought, well, now I'm sort of obligated to perform. I remember the first time I met him, I think within 30 minutes' time, he must have given me 12 words from the Lord. Not one of them was correct. Might as well have been blowing his breath there. Didn't amount to hell of beans. Are you listening to me? Some folks, you know, because they think you're you sometimes in that office. I stand sometimes in that office, you know. Well, they'll try to get through to you, you know, and even lie. Said it's emergency. We stand somewhere one time, wait at 4 o'clock in the morning. Emergency, long-distance call, you know. Well, you think about maybe some of your kin folks, you know, that's been sick, maybe they died or something, you know. So you take the call and hear some lady said on the end of the line, our man sometimes. Well, said, you know, I... uh. Brother Hagin, I hated to do that. That's the only way I could get to to it was tell him it's an emergency. Well, that's just flat out lying. You go to hell for lying just quick as you will for stealing. Don't shout me down. That calls the preaching real good. Said, you know, we were, I was just praying four o'clock in the morning now. Down here in another state, same time, same time zone. And said, you know, I just thought I'd see if I'd get a hold of you. Said, maybe you might have a word for me. Dear Lord, you're half asleep. Got a word for me. I started to say, I have. But I, I just didn't, and I really did, but I just didn't have enough nerve to give it to her. You know. Oh, dear Lord. You don't just turn it off and on as you want to. I want you to notice into this third chapter. We read it here. I want you to see it. Jehoshaphat had inquired for a prophet, and they'd found Elisha and brought him. And we read where Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look towards thee nor see thee. And now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord 
came upon him. Now you notice you got the expression used here, spirit, double portion of thy spirit, mantle, and now then hand of the Lord coming on him. That's all talking about the same thing, the Holy Ghost, the anointing of God, just different expressions. The mantle is a symbol of that anointing that would come upon him to enable him to stand in that office, you see. But now notice, the hand of the Lord, which is the anointing, is not in manifestation all the time. And he just couldn't start prophesying. So he said, bring me a minstrel. We all know that music plays a great part. Even yourself, it'll get you, if you play the right kind of music in your home, if you're about to pray or study the Bible, what a difference it makes. Isn't that right? Praise God. We know there in the Old Testament, you know, when, when the evil spirit came to trouble Saul, when David played and sang, that spirit departed. Bible has much to say about music in connection with worship. Amen. And such activities. And so, as the minister played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. The hand of the Lord is the anointing. Notice how that expression is used in the book of Ezekiel. He was a prophet. It said here in Ezekiel, the first chapter, here Ezekiel said, The word of the Lord came expressly, the Bible said, unto Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Bezu, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord, now notice that, the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north sea, and he began to see into the spirit realm. I had a vision when the hand of the Lord came upon him. Now, notice that Ezekiel was a prophet. Well, he's anointed to stand in that office, but that anointing's not in manifestation all the time. And so the hand of the Lord came upon him. Now then notice this third chapter of Ezekiel. Ezekiel said, So the Spirit lifted me up, and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Now in the other verse, he just said the hand of the, Ezekiel said the hand of the Lord was upon him. Now here he said the hand of the Lord was strong upon him. The hand of the Lord stands for the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the anointing. Notice that the anointing can just be upon you or the anointing can be strong upon you. Hallelujah. You can be less anointed or more anointed uh, at different times and sometimes according to what you do and sometimes according to the will of God in the matter. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Now then, let's turn right on over in the book of Ezekiel to the 8th chapter. I want to notice these expressions. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house. Now, see, some of you folks thought I was all wrong. I talked about a while ago, I was baptized by the Holy Ghost, April the 8th, 1937. Amen, on a Thursday, at eight minutes past 6 p.m. You see, I was just following Ezekiel the prophet. Came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, the fifth day of the month. <laughs> That goes along with the prophet's ministry. <laughs> Amen. Now, you know, people ask me, I do not remember those things. They ask me, you know, how do you remember all that? You heard me preach, you know, if something comes up, I'll tell you exactly when it happened. You ever notice that? Amen. Now, you see me out on the street, and I might not tell you. Do you know how that comes? I'll tell you exactly how it comes. When I mention it, when I go back and mention something happened, out of my spirit, here it, it rises up into my mind comes up out of the inside of me, and I know immediately. Amen. I know immediately. See, and I can, I can, I can give you that. Amen. That goes along with the prophet's minister, really. Came to pass in the sixth year, the sixth month, the fifth day of the month, as I sat in mine house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord fell there upon me. See, the call of God's already upon him. 
the hand of God's upon him to minister, all right, as we would say potentially, but it's not in manifestation. The hand of the Lord fell on me. Well, the Bible talks about the Holy Ghost falling, doesn't it? The Bible said even over in the New Testament, as Peter yet spake unto them, Carnese in his household, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Fell on them. The hand of the Lord fell upon me, he said. And then he went on to tell, Then behold, he said, Then I beheld and lo a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins even downward, fired from his loins even upward, the appearance of brightness as the color of amber. And he went on to tell what all he saw, because he had a vision. And so then, turn right on over with me, please, in the book of Ezekiel, to, uh, let's see, I've got it here somewhere. Praise God. To the 33rd chapter, 33rd chapter, yeah, that's it, 33rd chapter of Ezekiel. And this is very interesting, very, very interesting. Here Ezekiel said, this is the 33rd chapter and 22nd verse. That's where I got that 22 there a while ago. 33rd chapter and 22nd verse. Now the hand of the Lord was upon me in the evening. Now, now, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Thank you, Jesus. Now the hand of the Lord was upon me in the evening. Well, that means the hand of the Lord wasn't upon him at midday then. That meant the hand of the Lord wasn't upon him in the, in the morning. Now the hand of the Lord was upon me in the evening afore he that escaped came. Now if you read the previous verse, someone escaped and came to him. I'll not go into that. Now notice, here's what I wanted to, I want you to see something though. The hand of the Lord was upon me in the evening, afore or before we would say, he that was escaped came and had opened my mouth. The hand of the Lord was upon me and had opened my mouth. I want you to get this now. The hand of the Lord was upon me in the evening and had opened my mouth. Now this happened, the hand of the Lord is upon me in the evening and opened my mouth before he that escaped came, you see. All right, now this read, I want you to see something. And he came, that is, this fellow that had escaped, he came to me in the morning. <laughs> the hand of the Lord came upon him and opened his mouth. And there he went around all night with his mouth open. And never said a word. He's dumb. You go on reading there and he's dumb. Till that fellow came and then he could speak. Did you read that? Said, so, did you get that? You'll read if you read. I, I know I was reading several different books. Sister Woodworth Edder put out. She was an early day Pentecostal preacher. Signs and wonders and acts of the Holy Ghost and so on. I have some of them. I read some of the early ones. Years ago, way back in, in, in St. Louis, Missouri, she had, had in a tent meeting, and while she's preaching, you see, the hand of the Lord came upon her. She had her hand up and her mouth open about to say something, and the power of God came on, and she stood there three days and nights with her hand up and her mouth open. Never said anything. In reproducing articles from the St. Louis papers, they said it was estimated that 20,000 people came to see her. And when that hand of the Lord or the anointing of the Spirit of God lifted from her, three nights later, you see, where her hand went down and her mouth started, she picked up right in the middle of the sentence where she was preaching three nights before. The hand of the Lord came upon her, you see. God used that as a sign. Did you ever wonder, there in the Acts of the Apostles, it tells you about healings, but did you ever notice it said many signs and wonders were wrought by the Apostles? wonder what they were. Are you listening to me? You see, all of her physical senses and, and, and were, were suspended for three days and nights. The hand of the Lord was upon her. 
Hallelujah. Now, Ezekiel said, The hand of the Lord was upon me in the evening and had opened my mouth. This was before this individual that escaped came. Until he came to me in the morning. <laughs> the hand of the Lord was upon him and opened his mouth until he came to me in the morning. Then when the fellow came, my mouth was open and I was no more dumb. When he said open him and he could speak and he wasn't dumb anymore. I've read many times from different periodicals among full gospel and Pentecostal people, I have many old Pentecostal evangels, which is official organ of the Assemblies of God. Some of those early days of Assemblies of God, I'd read about some of them preaching over there in Arkansas. And uh, they never did just stand like Sister Edda did for three days, but one fellow spoke about standing under the power of that away with his mouth open hand up for one day. And others all night long. Well, say, why does God do things like that? Well, why did he do this? Why did the hand of the Lord come on and open his mouth in the evening? Well, you know, we don't tell God what to do. See, that's where we miss it. We imagine that this is the way it ought to be done. Amen. Do you ever stop to think about it, you know, when John the Baptist was announced he's going to be born, you know, and his daddy sort of didn't much believe it, you know, or whatever. You ever, and he was dumb for those six months and couldn't speak. His mouth was shut. Do you ever notice he, he wasn't dumb with sickness or disease. It was because the hand of the Lord was on him. Do you ever stop thinking about that fellow down there when Paul was on one of his missionary journeys, you know, and the deputy of one of these rulers, you know, withstood him, you know, and Paul said, the hand of the Lord will be upon you and you'll be blind for three months or for a season. hand of the Lord will be on you. He wasn't blind with blindness. It was because of the power of God come on him. Are you listening to me? I've seen like things like that happen under my own ministry. And I'm thoroughly convinced in these last days as we learn more how to cooperate with the Spirit of God, there'll be a greater manifestation of those things. I know the anointing comes on me sometimes, you know, and, and uh, the hand of the Lord, and I'm preaching, I can't say a word. It happened in a great way there at a camp meeting, you know. I mean, I try to. I can think in English. I can think in English. But I can't say one single word in English. I was out there at Fred Price's church then last August, you know, and I, I believe that's the longest time. And I was ministering to the sick. I'd finished my sermon laying hands on the sick when suddenly that anointing came on me and I could not say one single word in English. Now, I turned around and said in tongues to Fred. I could speak with tongues, but not English. And I said to Fred, you go ahead and lay hands on him and finish the healing line. Fred said to me, in, and, and he understood it just like I said it to him in English. And Fred said to me in tongues, and I heard it as though he was speaking in English. It sounded like he was speaking in tongues. Everybody else heard it in tongues, but I heard it in English. He held his hands out and said, All right, you leave the finger of your hand in my hands, and I may have minister the same anointing, and I will. So I laid the finger in my hand, and then he began to minister. It seemed like he was a stronger surge of power than before. And I stood there and watched the whole thing in. You know, I could speak in tongues, could speak in English. We got in the car and went to his house. We was going to eat a bite afterwards. And going on, I'd start to say something to them. I'd say it in tongues. <laughs> and we got over to their house, you know, and they got something to eat. And we were already eating. I still couldn't talk to them. I could not talk to them. I could not communicate. I got to bother them. I reckon I'll ever get back over there. <laughs> I mean, for an hour and a half. Now, many times when I'm preaching the anointing is strong, it came just a little bitty manifestation there a while ago, and I, I just can't do it. I mean, I tried to. I cannot. It's not a matter of what I want to do or can't do. I cannot speak. I can think in English, and I can speak in tongues. But see, that comes out of spirit, but I can't. And that happens to me frequently in teaching, you know, but never for, for so long a time as an hour and a half. And when I first came back over into English, then I couldn't even put sentences together. I could speak a word or two, like praise the Lord. But I couldn't just read it. It took some time to get back. Well, I actually it literally felt like I... See, I have been paralyzed in life. When I was bedfast, I became paralyzed. My tongue became paralyzed. My throat partially paralyzed. And I couldn't speak. Uh, you know, folks around me could understand me. 
And it's almost that way, except it's not a matter of paralysis. It's just a matter of the powers on you, the Holy Ghost on you, and, and so it won't function. Well, now, what purpose is that anyway? Well, I'll answer that when you answer this. What purpose in the evening of the Holy Ghost coming on Ezekiel and opening his mouth and there was all night long till that fellow came in the morning with his mouth open not saying anything. Dumb, he said. But when the fellow came, he's no longer dumb than he could speak. What purpose was in that? Well, it doesn't tell you other than just that it came on him. But I think this personally that very often that is a sign and then very often it's just getting you ready for something. Glory to God. Can you say Amen. Praise his holy name both now and forevermore. The hand of the Lord was on me in the evening and had opened my mouth. That was before he that escaped came. And he came to me in the morning and my mouth was open. What he meant was but I could speak then because he said I was no more, no more dumb. Hallelujah. Now then, notice the 37th chapter of Ezekiel. You got the expression there used again, the hand of the Lord. Ezekiel 37, 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. Now you see, you can see the, the relevancy here. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of, dry, uh, of bones. And then he went on to give, you know, he had the vision of what we call a valley of dry bones. Now one more. Notice the 40th chapter. The 40th chapter and the first verse. In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month. You know, Ezekiel sounds a lot like me, don't he? I sound a lot like him. In the fourteenth year after the city was smitten in the selfsame day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither. Hallelujah. Now, I wanted you to notice those expressions Use the Old Testament, and, and what happened back there is, is types, shadows, types, examples for us. Notice the, the words mantle. Notice the word spirit. Notice the word the hand of the Lord was upon me. It stands for the anointing of God's spirit. Now here's something that I want to speak to the ministers particularly about. I'm in my 48th year. I'll soon complete my 48th year and enter into my 49th year of ministry. I know I don't look that old, but I started real young, you know. And you'd learn a few things. I mean, you'd just you'd accidentally stumble over a few things in nearly half of a century, you know. Amen. Have the call of God. No, I don't know how to relate to someone, preacher sometimes, that, that doubt their call. I mean, that thought never occurred to me. The devil never. The devil, one thing he never did tell me, you're not called. He told me a number of times I couldn't do what God called me to do, but I didn't listen to him. But he never, never, never did the thought ever occur to me, you're not called. But have the call of God. Then secondly, follow the Lord Jesus. He's the head of the church very, very closely. And then thirdly, if you want the same type of ministry, and if it's not in your heart, well, fine. Amen. But if it's in there, it's usually because God put it there. That mantle will not just promiscuously or automatically fall on you, you know, to do it like ripe chairs off of a tree. But follow that ministry closely. Now listen to me real carefully. There is, however, one danger here. Like I said, I've been at this a long time. I remember the days of the voice of healing. Anybody here remember the days of the voice of healing? Some of you do. You remember Brother Gordon Lindsay was editor of the Old Voice Healing magazine. It's called Christ for the Nations now. And, 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 and at one time, see, there's a healing revival on here in America from 1947 through 1958. Then we entered into another move of the Spirit, what we call the charismatic move. Now, you, you see, the, uh, uh, all of we ministers who here in America, primarily, and some uh, other places, uh, uh, other countries, that had a healing ministry of some sorts was in the voice of healing. And you, we used the voice of healing as a mean advertised. Brother Osborne and I are, are survivors of that era. And uh, 
uh, Brother Roberts was the only one that was not with us. That is, he had his own publication. But when, and we'd have a healing convention every year, and some of those first healing conventions, he was with us at, uh, at those conventions. And I saw some of these ministers, because Brother Lindsay, you see, had, uh, had and I'd heard of, of Dr. Dowie. See, John Alexander Dowie was a congregational ministry back in 1875 in, in, in Australia. And he was pastor of the first congregationalist church in Sydney, Australia. And there came an epidemic of the bubonic plague to Australia. And people were dying like flies. And he had already buried 40 members of his church. And three more were waiting to be buried. And he said he was sitting in his study, in his church, with his head in his hands, weeping his heart out, saying, Oh, God, is, is, is all my congregation going to die? Think about it. Forty people, his congregation had died. Three more were waiting to be buried, just in a matter of a few days. And then he said, I said, Oh, Lord, he, he, he said, I thought the Lord did it, you know. Lord, you're going to take all of them? And, and then I began to say, Lord, where did this come from anyway? Is this the will of God? Can this be God's will? And he said, there, as I was there, weeping and sobbing, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. And he spoke Acts 8, or Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And he said, like a flash, I saw it. Satan is the oppressor, but Jesus is the deliverer. Then when I saw that, he said, Scripture after Scripture popped into my mind, way back in the Old Testament, all the way through, you see. And I began to, got the revelation of healing, you see. And I said, Lord, help me to preach that to my people. Help them to see this. Help me to get it over to them. And while I was meditating on the Scriptures, I heard running footsteps in the sanctuary and someone pounding on the outer door. And when I said, come in, three young men, rust hatless and coatless, rushed into his room and said, Mama, won't you to come? Mary is dying little 12-year-old girl of his congregation. He said, I jumped up from my desk and ran with them down the street, hatless and coatless, to this home and rushed into the home. And as I rushed into the home, he said, the doctor, medical doctor with his medical valise in one hand and his hat in the other, was leaving. And he said to me, the, you know, the girl is dying. And he said, you know, how mysterious God moves his wonders to perform. The doctor's a member of his church, you know. And he said, I said uh, to him, Doctor, how dare you call that the work of my God? That little 12-year-old girl dying. They died with a, with, in, in convulsions with a bloody froth running out their mouth. How dare you call that the work of my God? He never put anything like that on little 12-year-old girl. Sir, I'd have you to know Jesus is the healer. He said, you're a man of God. You're a member of my church. Can you pray the prayer of faith that will save her? He said, the doctor said, well, you just better leave those things in the hand of God and left. But with this fresh revelation, he rushed into the room and asked the mother, why for, did you send for me? She said, well, I want you to pray. And he said, standing by the bed, I can't remember my prayer. But he said, I, I began to pray. And I went, scripture after scripture came to him. As I went all through the Old Testament and over into the New Testament. And then I said, this is the work of the devil. And I just commanded to leave her and her to be healed now. The convulsion ceased. She fell into a deep sleep. Her mother thought she had died. He said, I said, no, no, she's just asleep. Just let her rest a moment. After about three minutes, said, I snapped my finger in her ear and said, Mary, Mary. She opened her eyes, looked up and saw her mother said, oh, mama, I, I feel so good. I've been asleep so long. And he said, I remembered the Bible. Jesus said, give her something to eat. So I said, get her something to eat to the nurse. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, now here's what I wanted to say to you, though. And so he... Uh, he said, then I buried those three that was already dead waiting to be buried. And then I didn't have another member of my church to die. In fact, for a 19-year period before it came to America, I did not have one member of my church that died except elderly people that lived the time out below. He, he, he constantly preached that. See, because he knew they got a hold of it, they went with it, you see. Then he came here to America, you see. Well, I had read about, I'd heard about him, but I'd never read anything because he, he died in 1906, you see, and... And, and, and actually, literally, in, his, in, his, in those latter days, miss God. But Brother Gordon Lindsay was born there in Zion, Illinois, you see, and Dowie laid hands on him when he was a baby. And, and, and then he got together a bunch of those papers, Leaves of Healing, and published some sermons of Dowie, and also published his life story. Now, I saw this. 
I saw some of those voices of healing ministries, you see, pick up that last door and follow closely down I could see that, and I said to some of the rest of it, now, it's fine to follow his faith, but don't follow it all. You'll wind up just exactly like he did. And I said, before it happened, four or five years, one case, almost ten years, before it happened, and those two that I was talking about that followed closely and wound up just exactly like he did. So if you're going to follow somebody, be sure they're following the Lord. If they got off a little bit here, just a little bit. Don't follow that. Learn faith from but don't follow closely. You'll notice he followed him closely. Are you listening to me now? I've seen it more than once in a number of ministries that were, were legitimate, that were marvelous ministries. Now, I'm going to say something else. I've seen the same thing happen with the pastoral office. Same thing happened. This person, this young man, followed that closely and made the same mistake, the same error that the other fellow got into. I tell you, I don't know about you, somebody always talking about somebody to fail. I, I like to follow somebody, bless God, that didn't. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? See, somebody talks about you believing in divine healing sometimes, said, now so-and-so had a healing ministry and they died at this age and so-and-so died then. I said, well, fine, I don't know how come to die. That's not my problem and none of my business. I'm not their Lord and Master. That's between them and the Lord. But I'm not following them anyway. I'm following the Lord. But if I want to follow the example, I believe I'll take Wigglesworth. I mean, he is 87, lived his life out, praise God, and died without sickness. Amen. Or another minister, a fellow, this fellow used to be Baptist, and then he got baptized the Holy Ghost, spoke to other tongues, and preaching divine healing. And I'd heard a number of rumors. But I was visiting, well, holding meetings in another state, and I visited with his daughter. And I come to find out when he is 93, 93, his daughter said at breakfast table, he said that morning, it's time for me to go home. Now he said, uh, his, her mother was quite a bit younger than him. She's still elder. She's in her 70s, you know, but he's 93. 20 years, 20 years is a little younger, you know. And he said, and, and said, Mom and I talked about inside, well, you know, he's 93. He's getting old and probably senile, you know, and he don't realize he's at home. This is your home, Daddy. This is your home. So I said, Mom and I, you know, we finished the dishes and all, you know. And we went into the, what we, you know, they called it a sitting room then. We'd call it a den, you know, today, sort of, you know. Said, he was sitting there in the chair and said, I told y'all I'm going home today. He said, there's Jesus, goodbye. Sitting in the rocker, took off. <laughs> I believe I'll follow that Baptist boy. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you listening? I'm going to follow him closely. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? It makes a lot of difference whom you follow. Remember what Paul said over here? Let me give you one more verse. Time's running out on my own. I can't get over everything, but I'll just, I'll, I'll pick up here tomorrow night and give you the climax. Turn over in the New Testament real quick and let me give you one more verse before we go here. Into 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11. Now notice, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. It's all right to follow people as long as they're following Christ closely. Are you listening to me? Let's everybody stand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to talk tomorrow night about ministering. See, we've talked about this anointing and so on, how to get it. I want to talk about ministering under the anointing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now close your eyes in the presence of the Lord. Close your eyes in the presence of the Lord. How many of you, if Jesus came tonight or you died tonight, you're ready for heaven? Not one doubt in your mind about where you'd go. This see your hand. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Put your hand up everywhere. Hold it up. Well, thank God, put your hand down. I saw a number of people did not lift their hand. How many of you folks that did not lift your hand would lift your hand and say, Brother Egan, I want you to pray for me. If Jesus should come tonight, if I should die tonight, I want that assurance in my heart that I'm ready to meet him. This see your hand. Put your hand up everywhere. Everywhere. All over the room. Everywhere. All over the room. Praise God. All right. Thank you. God bless you. I want to pray for you, but I want you to come down here and let me pray for you. I want you to come down here right now. Every one of you lifted your hand. Come stand down here right now. Come right on. I want to pray for you. Come right on. 
everywhere. Every one of you. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe we can know just as much as Paul did. He said, I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to them against that day. Hallelujah. I believe we can have that same assurance. Don't you believe that? Praise his holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now then, let me ask you one other question. Give one other invitation as we go. How many would say, Brother Higgin, I've been born again. I'm a child of God. No, I am. But I've not yet been filled with the Holy Ghost. See, Acts 2, 4 said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. And I am a candidate for that Pentecostal experience. I want you to pray for me and I'll be filled or baptized with the Holy Ghost. Could I see your hand right now? Anywhere in the room? Everywhere in the room? Amen. I want to pray for you. I want you to come stand over here on this side of the platform. Come on right now. Every one of you lifted your hand. Every one of you that's a candidate for this Pentecostal experience. What do you mean? Well, Jesus said, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. This is an endowment of power for service. That's what we're talking about. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm glad God's still in the saving business, aren't you? Somebody told me they got some kind of new revelation, said God wasn't interested in the lost anymore. He's just interested in perfecting the saints. Well, that came right out of the pits of hell. Sure, he wants to perfect the saints, but he's still top priority is getting folks saved. Can you say amen? amen? Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. Praise God. Amen. Thank God. You know, I say sometimes it almost sounds like a misnomer because we're out to get people healed. We'd like to see them live. But you know our main business is to get people ready to die. <laughs> now that sounds like a paradox, doesn't it? That's our main business to get people ready to die. Really, you're not ready to live till you get ready to die. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, you folks standing back there, reach your hand out toward these people in prayer and faith. You people standing around here, close your eyes in reverence to God because you do reverence Him. Lift one hand up toward heaven. Heavenly Father, I come to you just now. I come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come on the behalf of these who stand here around this platform. In fact, dear Lord, they stand in your presence. They come to you for you're the Savior and you're the baptizer of the Holy Ghost. And I thank you because we have your word for it. You'll not turn a one of them away because you said in the Holy Bible, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. So you'll not cast a one of them out or turn a one of them away, but you'll take them in tonight and save them and wash away their sins and cleanse them and make them whole and make them new and fill every single one of them with the Holy Ghost and power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise his holy name. Let's just lift our hands and praise God for ministering to every one of them, meeting their needs. Hallelujah. Ministering to their spirits. Glory to his holy name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and blessings and mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise his holy name. Thank you, Father. He is the great provider, the great lover, and the great giver. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want you to say it out loud. God is the great lover. He is the great provider. He is the great giver. Because he loves. He will give. To everyone, to everyone that which he has provided for them hallelujah let's praise him again for meeting the needs of these people thank you Lord Jesus hallelujah thank you father thank you father praise God amen well God's interested in meeting people's needs can you say amen, amen. hallelujah now then let's just remain standing a moment I'm sure sometime during the week there will be special ministry perhaps to the sick, but how many of you need healing right now? Let's see your hand. Put your hand up and hold it up. Keep it up. 
All right, some of you folks around there that are believers, lay your hands on them. The Bible said these signs are followed them to believe. They'll lay hands on the sick. I'm not a healer. Jesus is. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Lay your hands on them and agree with them now. The healing's theirs. Amen. Now listen, accept it now. Accept your healing right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now conclude your prayer. You who want healing came for it by saying, I receive it and I accept my healing or the healing for your child. I accept it now. In the name of Jesus. I accept it now. I accept it now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.